0: We'd like to invite you now to turn in your Bibles to the book of Philippians, Philippians uh, chapter 4. Today we are going to be looking at verses 8 and 9. We'd like to begin the reading in verse 4 and we will read through uh, verse 9. The focus of the sermon today will be on verses 8 and 9. So Philippians uh, chapter 4, beginning in verse 4, beloved, before Uh, we hear God's word, if you would join your hearts together with me in prayer. Let's pray together. Our Father and our God, your words are pure words, like silver refined in a furnace seven times. We thank you for these praiseworthy and commendable and pleasant words that you have given to us in Holy Scripture. We pray, Father, that as your words are read this morning, that we would feed upon them, and that we would feed upon the gospel and on Jesus Christ in our souls as we hear that, hear that gospel proclaimed. Father, do this to the praise of your glory, for we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 4. Beloved, this is uh, the word of God. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, and the God of peace will be with you. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our Lord remains forever. Well, Paul gives his second finally here in verse 8. The first finally came way back at the beginning of chapter, uh, at the beginning of chapter 3. Since we are actually approaching the end of this letter, it seems that Paul actually meant what he is saying here when he says finally, brothers, so Paul's final words in this section include two main exhortations. Think and practice. Think and practice. These are the two commands from this section that we are given. Or we could put it this way. Think and do. Verse 8, think about these things. That's what he says. In verse 9, practice these things. Thus, the thrust of this section involves what Christians are to do with their minds and with their bodies. Now this is significant because Paul had just exhorted his hearers to pray. To pray for everything. Verse 6, do not be anxious, but in everything make your requests known to God. So Christians are to spend a majority of their time or a good section of the time that we've been given in prayer. We are to pray always. Do not be anxious, but pray. So we are to spend... A considerable, as was said, a considerable amount of time individually and corporately in prayer to God. We are to commune with him in prayer. We are to speak to him, offer up our desires, offer up our requests to him in prayer. We do that together every week in worship, but we are also called to do that in our families, individually as we see fit. And so this is part of what we do as Christians Paul says we are to do this in everything. And so again, a significant part of our existence in this world is to be done in prayer. is to be experienced in prayer to God through Christ in the power of the Spirit. That is part of the way in which we as Christians live out the days that we've been given. In prayer. Now this does not mean, however, that we should or even can spend all our time in prayer That's virtually impossible. We must, however, much time, however much time we spend in prayer should be, though, accompanied with a significant amount of time working hard. So there's different parts of our existence in this life. Some of it is spent in prayer, and other parts of our existence, much of it, in fact, and a significant part of, part of it is spent working hard, serving communing with other believers, with other Christians, working at our jobs. All of these things are part of uh, what it means to be a Christian in this life. Jesus spent much time in prayer, for sure. He was always praying. But he also spent a large portion of his time serving. He spent a good portion of his time serving, talking to his disciples, working, preaching, teaching. He went to a wedding even, and of course he spent some of his time hanging on a cross. He even prayed on the cross, however. But there were other parts of his existence that Jesus experienced other than just prayer. And so our prayer life should be accompanied by loving practice. And that's where we're getting at uh, here somewhat. Actually, our prayers should fuel our thinking and our doing. As we pray, we learn how to think. We learn how to do. In fact, God helps us how to think properly and how to practice properly. This is the way Paul sets it up here, think and do. Now, the first thing we see here is that there are times when we use our minds for something other than prayer. When we pray, we have to use our minds for sure. But there are times when we have to use our minds for something else, for other activities. We are not... The act, the activity of the mind. Here, this is where we are. What we do with our minds, Christ is the Lord of our bodies, to be sure. But He, of course, is the Lord of our thinking. He's the Lord of our minds. He's Lord, after all. If He's not absolute Lord over all of us, then He's not Lord at all. He is the Lord of our thinking, and so we have to think about how we use our minds. Paul already touched upon this earlier when he said, "Do not be anxious." Often we get anxious because of what we let our minds do, where we let our minds go. Don't let your mind, that's what we looked at last time, as much as you are able, and of course with God's help, don't let your mind be used in this way by being anxious, by constantly being fearful of what's coming next. There is a sense in which we can contend against that kind of thing, and that happens in the mind on, in, in some way. And so instead we engage our minds in prayer. Do not be anxious but pray. But we can't always just pray, can we? So what about the other times when our minds are still going? How do we use them? Well, Paul says here, for those times, he says, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's any anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Now of course, Think about these things in prayer, but the emphasis here, I think, is on what we do with our minds in general. Now, what can we say about this list? Now, the first thing that we can say is this. This list is not exhaustive. Paul does not include every single good thing that we could possibly do with our minds in this list. These are not the only good things that we can think about, but this list does move us in the right direction. It is meant to have us think about what we do with our minds completely, and so this is what, this is one thing that we can say about this list. If we had to summarize this list, we might say, we, we might be able to say that we should think about what is good and beautiful. That's, in general, that is what we should do with our minds, think about what is good and beautiful. And so the list doesn't cover every possible perfect thing that we could think about, but if we look at the way that he structures the list, Paul does want us to think about all the ways in which we use our minds. That is something that is he's getting across here. Think about all the ways in which you use your mind, Christian. That is what he is saying. The repeated use of the phrase whatever is and then if there is anything, whatever is, if there is anything meant to have you, consider everything you think about, and then make judgment on that. Whatever is, that, if that is good, if this is pure, if this is commendable, direct your minds towards that. This means we should be somewhat intentional about how we use our minds. Whatever is honorable, think about that. Now, We might think about the ways in which we don't fall in line with what Paul is saying here. Looking at inappropriate material on TV or on your phone or on your computer, that is certainly not honorable. There is some quite dishonorable and impure material in books and magazines and movies or whatever that is not pure, that we should not let our minds see or let our eyes see, not let our minds think about uh, for the Philippians, in uh, the day of the Romans, this was a Roman colony after all, at this time they would, ha- they would have had to ask themselves whether or not attending or watching the gladiator games at the amphitheater, at the local coliseums, could be considered honorable or pure. Was that an honorable thing to visit the coliseum and watch people kill each other, essentially, literally kill each other? Was that an honorable thing to do? That's that would be a question that one of Paul's hearers would have had to ask them themselves. Now, for us today, we have the Colosseum and the theater in our living rooms, on the TV, even on our phones. We don't even have to be at home to pull these things up. And so we have to ask ourselves, are the things that we watch on TV and on our phones, are they honorable? Are they pure? Are they commendable? You're using your mind. These are the kinds of questions we have to ask. Now, we won't be able to completely, friends, escape seeing things that are impure. We won't be able to completely escape seeing things that don't fall in line with this list as something that is, something that is good and, and beautiful. And we also aren't saved by turning the TV off. We're saved through faith in Christ alone. But we can and should be Selective. That's the point. We should also be sober in our use of these things. We should be sober in just how much this stuff we let our minds think about. We let come into our eyes. How much time are we spending on these things? Maybe it's a commendable thing to to watch for a time, but is it a commendable thing to do all the time or hours upon hours? We are warned in the Bible we become what we love if we have an idol that we continually look at, and it happens to be on a screen, if we continually look at them and bow down to them, we will become like that idol. You think about the words of Hosea. Uh, God says this about his people. He said, they became detestable like the thing they loved. Some things that we let our eyes see are somewhat um, innocent or somewhat harmless. But if there's too much of it, Over time, we can become like whatever we let into our eyes. Now, some of our young men here uh, this morning, and perhaps young women too, some of you like to play video games, which is fine. Play your video games. I'm not at all saying to stop playing video games, but which games are you playing? Are they games that are inordinately violent? Is that commendable? Is that honorable? Are they honorable, commendable, pleasant? Are they pure and worthy of praise? Is these, are these the kinds of things that you're seeing when you turn the game on? And then you have to ask, how much time are you spending playing those games? Is it a just or righteous thing to do with your mind to spend countless hours on a video game, young men? This is a question for you. Is that a healthy way to go about your week as a Christian young man, learning to become a man And we all, of course, need to be asking ourselves similar types of questions in regard to how we use our minds. It doesn't just apply to playing video games. We all have to think about this. What what do we think about? What do we let into our eyes? What are we constantly thinking about? This This is the question that is posed from this text. Now, thinking about the rhythm and the cadence of this text, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. In other words, if you think about that cadence, whatever is, if there is anything, what that means, what that's communicating to us is this, is that we are to look and then to think about this and then to judge ever is. Look out. Look at the options. Look at what you can do with your mind. Think about them. Which ones of those options are pure, are good, are commendable? Think about this and judge. This is what the Philippians were to do. This is what we are to do as well. And we can put it in a kind of playful but serious way here as Christians. We should think about what we think about. Think about what you're thinking about. That's what Paul is saying here. Paul assumes here that the way in which we use our minds is largely under our control. We can have some measure of control about over how we use our minds. Think about this, which means we have to intentionally not think about other things. That's, that's what he's getting at. You have control. To a certain extent, you have control about the kinds of things you let into your mind. Now one way to do this is to start, one way to help, help us with this is to start our weeks in worship thinking about the gospel. That's what we're doing this morning. We're using our minds to think about the gospel. There is nothing more true, nothing more honorable, nothing more commendable, nothing more pure, nothing more worthy of praise than the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's how we start our weeks using our minds. This is a really good way to set you off in the right direction by using your minds in worship like this. Think about his perfection, his beauty, his wisdom, his power, his love, his mercy. I mean, how often do we not think about these things? This is this is a time for that. This is a good way to help us with this. Now, what is somewhat ironic about this is that there is a measure of violence when we think about the gospel, is there not? Jesus was crucified after all. He suffered violence at the hands of sinners, but the violence, that violence happened in accordance with his divine mercy. It was a revelation of God's mercy to us in his son, Jesus Christ. That violence in the gospel, when we think about it then, is utterly redemptive, it's helpful. We should think about that. We should think about the gospel. Other forms of violence that we can think about are not redemptive. The gospel is. The violence at the cross is entirely redemptive, and it's entirely appropriate for us to think about it often, but especially here in worship. Thinking about that actually heals our minds. It brings us a, a measure of peace in our thinking. It brings us restoration and healing in the way we use our minds. This is because Jesus rose from the dead. He was crucified, yes, but he is alive forevermore. And friends, he shares that life with us. Indeed, he shares his mind with us. We have the mind of Christ, as scripture says. We are to use our minds in his, to his glory and in service of him. What a wonderful way for our minds to begin the week, to think about him, to think about Jesus in worship. As Hebrews says, consider Jesus. Think about Jesus, the writer of Hebrews. Think about him. There's nothing more pure than that. So think about Jesus, friends. And from there, we are to let the gospel influence what we think about throughout the rest of the week. So again, this is a good place to start. Another thing that we can think about in regard to this list is that unbelievers could look at this list, people who are not Christians, they could look at this list and they could agree with it. Of course, we should think about beautiful, commendable, pure things. Even Roman philosophers in Paul's day had virtues such as this in their writings. There were certain virtues that they expected their citizens to uphold. The good and the beautiful were along those, along those lines, But we always have to define what we see here using the word of God. We have to temper our understanding of each of these with scripture and the pure doctrine of the gospel. Unbelievers, to put it another way, unbelievers will define what is commendable and what is pure in very different ways than we do. Unbelievers will define what is pleasant to look at. In a different way than the word of God defines it. In a different way than Christians do. In fact, Paul starts this list with whatever is true. Unbelievers, pagans do not believe that which is true. The gospel is true. And it defines everything else that we think about. Jesus is the truth. And so Christ's understanding of what is pure. Christ's understanding of what is lovely. Christ's understanding of what is worthy of praise. that That is how we look at this list. And so at the core, our understanding of this list and an unbeliever's understanding of this list is quite different, though there may be some overlap in what we consider to be beautiful and praiseworthy. Uh, It is quite different from the way unbelievers understand this list. That which is true and honorable and commendable are fairly straightforward in terms of uh, definitions The Word of God is always true. Its principles are always honorable and commendable. Think about Psalm 1. Blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord. You will never go wrong thinking about Scripture. You'll never go wrong thinking about the Word of God. Filling your mind with uh, holy Scripture. Meditating on Scripture as the psalmist uh, commends us to do doesn't mean emptying your mind uh, like pagan philosophers would have you do. It's not emptying your mind. It's rather filling your mind with the word of God. That's meditating. Think about the word of God. You will, you will never go wrong with that. And so that is a good way to use our minds. What is true, honorable, commendable. Loveliness carries with it the idea that there are things in this world that are just pleasant to see and to think about. And this is where some of the overlap might be with, with unbelievers. You might think of the colors of a sunset. A gorgeous painting, the clouds in, the, in our the clouds in our central uh, Texas sky. One uh, I've heard someone refer to the clouds that we see in the sky as cloud drama. They're di- it's different all the time, and it's quite beautiful. And so uh, it's hard to imagine that an unbeliever would not consider these things as pleasant to look at. It's lovely. I think that's what loveliness is getting towards. Beautiful, beautiful music, the loveliness of your spouse, loveliness of your children. These are things, uh, very good use of our time, our mental energy to think about these things. And so think about things that are lovely. It certainly can't hurt to think a little more about whatever is lovely. Whatever is pure and whatever is just, this, these, uh, these words, these references may bring into view a little more the behavior in others, in our own behavior. Think about what the just or righteous thing to do is at work. What is the just thing to do in this particular situation? What is the righteous thing to go about doing my my job in the midst of so much unbelief, in the midst of much darkness and much pride and selfishness? These are difficult things uh, to maneuver for a lot of us throughout the week. We can think about this. Think about what is righteous to do. What is the righteous thing to do with our finances, with our family? What can we do to keep ourselves morally pure uh, morally pure in our lives? Think about these things. Use your mind in this way. Now, in terms of excellence and also praiseworthiness, things that are praiseworthy, this could include the way in which we go about our daily tasks and responsibilities. We can think about how we are called to do everything as unto the Lord. Everything we do is in service to him. Do all things as unto the Lord. Whether you eat or drink, do it all to the glory of God. Everything we do is to be done in his service to glorify him. And so we are not to think about, if we could put it this way, we are not to think about how we might cut corners or how we can get away with stuff. How can I get away with not having to pay this fine or not having to do this at, at work. How can I get away with this stuff? Or maybe how can I do this halfway? We think about how we can do what we are called to do then with a measure of excellence. Think about what is excellent. How can I do this in a way that when I'm done, when the, when the work is complete, God would be pleased. I can, I can have pride in what I've done cutting corners, trying to get away with stuff, doing things halfway, doesn't, you don't quite get there if that's what you're thinking about. And people do this. We do this often as well, even as Christians. We think about how can, I, how can I get around having to do what I've been called to do and still get the praise for it? That's not how we are to think. How can I do this with a measure of excellence, with a measure of care, intentionality? That's what Christians are to do. Christians should be the best employees if we could apply it to work. Christians should be the very best employees at work. Now, sometimes we're not. We can learn about this, and we should think about that. Think about um, the way in which we go about our tasks. You don't get the sense in Paul that he was lazy or half-hearted about his approach to being an apostle. You don't get the sense that he was spending time thinking about, how can I How can I cut corners as an apostle of Christ? How can I get around having to do the responsibilities that have been given to me as an apostle of Christ? He didn't do that. He thought about what was excellent, what was praiseworthy. Worthy of praise also probably has in view the commendable and honorable attributes and behaviors that we see in others. In fact, this is right where Paul goes. In verse 9, he says, You have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things think about what you've seen in me think about what you've heard from me and then go and do those things listen to the gospel hear Christ's words look at those praiseworthy qualities in your leaders look at those praiseworthy qualities in your brothers and sisters around you look in those look at those praiseworthy qualities in your spouse even and even perhaps your children do they not do our own children often not humble us at times with the way in which They go about things and we don't follow suit. Think about those things. Think about what is praiseworthy and then imitate them. Do them. That is what Paul is saying here. Think about how you might better provide others also with qualities or behaviors in yourself that are worthy of praise, worthy of imitation. How can I I provide a picture for others around me? of what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, what it means to lay down my life for my friend, which is what Christ did. How, how can I cultivate in myself, in my thinking, and my doing, a better example of that for those who are around me, those who see me? That's something that would be good to think about. That's a good thing to think about. That's a good way to use our minds. That's what Paul says here. So this is how we are to go about uh, doing this. Paul concludes this section with the promise the God of peace will be with you. If you are able to apply these things, then the God who gives us peace in our prayers. Remember, do not be anxious, but in all things make your requests known to God, and the peace of God will guard your hearts and Christ Jesus, the very God who gives us peace. He will be standing right there next to you. He will be guarding your mind as you pray from anxiety. And then he will be giving you the strength and the perseverance and the comfort, and the power that you need to do just the things that you want to do as a Christian, the things that you think about. The God of peace will be with you in this. He will support you in this. He will bless you in that. There are other things he doesn't bless, the other activities that we use our minds for that are not pleasing to God. But if you do this, if you do some of the things that Paul has listed out here with our minds and with our doing, practice them, God is right there. He's present with you, helping you, strengthening you. That is, that's where I want God to be in my life. I want him to be right there with me. And that's what we are being called to do here is the God of peace who gives us peace. And we'll have peace. We have peace if we use it in our minds and our bodies in this way. If we could sum up then this section, brothers and sisters in Christ, glorify God with your minds and with your bodies. Amen. Let's pray together, friends.